Hey guys, <clears throat> welcome to the study guide review for the president of the bureaucracy. Let's uh, run through the uh, the handout. It's on e class if you would like the, the copy. Also gave you a paper copy in class on Thursday the eighteenth. All right. So first up, there is formal versus informal powers of the president. Now, first off, the question on the test is going to be one of those table questions where you're given some formal powers on one side and some informal powers on the other, and you'll have to match up where they both are true. They don't have anything to do with each other. So you might have a military thing and a veto thing, um, but you got to pick where they're both the, uh, the the correct thing. So some of the formal powers the president has, and remember, they're pretty limited um, because it's supposed to be a limited position. The founding fathers did not trust the, the president to not become a king or a tyrant or things like that. So formal powers are going to include the veto power and commander in chief role where they can control the military uh, as well as where they can pardon people. Those are really the main uh, formal powers that the president has. Informal powers they have are things like the pocket veto and uh, the signing statement, <laughs> executive orders, executive agreements. All those things are, you know, they, they're taken from Article 2, but they're not specifically listed in, in there anywhere. So the president has kind of, over time, taken those powers off. All right, law implementation by the bureaucracy. The key thing to remember here is that uh, the, the, the bureaucracy gets the laws that Congress and the president pass. Someone's got to enforce them. And that is the job of the bureaucracy. At the end of the day, that is their main concern, their main goal, is to implement, enforce, and act those laws. And so they go about doing that. Now, this is a key thing to remember. They have some legislative powers because they get to read and interpret those laws. And, you know, we did the, <clears throat> the example in class where we were given a law as the Parks and Recs Department, and we had to decide how we're going to, to enforce this. Same thing happens with the bureaucracy. They get a law, they get to read it, and they get to make decisions. They get to decide this is how we're going to enforce this thing. Sometimes it goes exactly the way Congress wants it to. Other times it kind of goes against some of the things they want to. The other side is that they also have some judicial powers because they get to decide who's going to be prosecuted, who's not going to be prosecuted, and things like that. All right, next up is the impeachment. Uh, we've done impeachment several times, so I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on it or go into much detail about it. Just remember that the House draws up the articles of impeachment, a majority vote, so whatever uh, half plus one is, gets it enacted and they get passed, and then it goes to the Senate, and the Senate holds the trial. They need two-thirds vote of the senators to uh, kick a president out of office, or who or whatever the federal official is. Uh, president versus the Congress. How can the president limit Congress? Well, they only have one main power here, and that main power is the veto power. <clears throat> Remember, like we said with the formal versus informal powers, the president was set up to kind of be led by Congress. Um, if a president wants to do a treaty, that's fine, but it gets approved by the Senate. Hey, we're going <clears> to <throat> appoint all these people to positions within the government. It's got to be approved by the Senate. So the president is really beholden to Congress, but the president does have the power and the ability to veto laws. Constituency versus president's proposals. So the president, remember, cannot force Congress to do anything when it comes to their legislative agenda. Um, now, it's not hard for the president to find support, but um, they can't go in there and make Congress do anything. So when a presidential proposal and 
the constituencies, that's us, me and you are the constituency, when the voters don't work together. So that means here's the president's approval, I mean, a, a proposal, but my constituents don't like it. I'm going to go with my constituents because at the end of the day, they're the ones that reelect me. All right. The president has nothing to do with that um, and is not going to be able to get me back into office. I need to do what's best for my constituents, not what's best for the president. Now, there are situations where you'll find that uh, some people support the president no matter what. Uh, but for the most part, if you want to be a career politician, you're going to have to support your uh, constituency. The president's cabinet. <clears throat> Excuse me. So remember that the president's cabinet is uh, kind of an informal thing. It's not the Constitution anywhere. George Washington uh, took a statement from Article 2 that says the president is allowed to get written uh, advice from some different uh, parts of the, the bureaucracy, the executive branch, and took it and created the Secretary of State, Treasury, and uh, the Department of War uh, back during his presidency. And we've morphed it into what it is today, where it's official positions, and we have 15 of them, uh, and they play a pretty, pretty big role. Uh, at the end of the day, though, remember, they are just advisors to the president, okay? And the president does not have to take their advice. Um, but they are going to be in charge of certain areas of our country, and when I say areas, uh, components, not geographically, but energy, uh, agriculture, education, transportation, things like that. And then it trickles down from the cabinet and it goes into all the agencies that are going to be responsible for helping with those uh, positions. Um, so I gave the example, you know, think of uh, the school system here in Gwinnett County. You have the ISC, you have Dr. Watts over at the ISC, so the president, and then <clears throat> all the different schools are the cabinet positions and so miss wing is the <clears throat> excuse me is the uh uh secretary of collins hill and so she's in charge of everything that comes down from collins hill and so all the teachers administrators and all those kinds of things are the ones that are the agencies that have to implement the stuff that comes from um, the, the executive agencies all right roles of the president chief executive this is where the president will spend most of their time this is where the president will uh, enforce the laws that's his job there, uh, as well as appointing people to judgeships, to cabinet departments, things like that. Uh, this is also where the president will pardon people. Uh, commander in chief is probably the easiest one. This is all the military stuff that could potentially happen. Uh, remember, the president cannot declare war. Only Congress can do that. But the president can move troops around and make decisions uh, about to attack people here uh, or to react to people here. Uh, or whatever it might be. The chief legislature, remember this is not the president running the legislature. They don't have that ability. But Congress will oftentimes, especially today, because the president has become something more than what uh, the founding fathers envisioned, um, Congress will fall in line with what the president wants to do legislatively. And so the president can write up legislation and find someone to submit it for them. Chief diplomat, this is uh, dealing with foreign affairs. Uh, the president can make up treaties, executive agreements, uh, all those things fall in here under chief diplomat. Head of state um, and chief citizen kind of go together. Uh, this is where the president is kind of the figurehead of the country, all right? And when people uh, see or think of America, a lot of times they think of the president. And then the chief economist, the president is in charge of the economy. Once again, I don't really like this. I think the president gets way too much credit and way too much blame for when things are good and when things are bad. Presidential campaigns. 
on the test, there's going to be a little blurb. It's a stimulus question about uh, the 2016 election and the use of social media. You just really have to read the, 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 the passage and then make some deductions from that. The signing statement. So this is an informal thing, and it happened. It's, it's, it's been available. The president can, has always been able to do this, but it really became a thing when the power or the ability to do line item vetoes was taken away in the mid-90s. So uh, Bill Clinton uh, lost the lawsuit, uh, and that was taken away. The line item veto was said to give too much legislative power where a president could take something and uh, make changes to it. That's a legislative thing. That's not a presidential thing. So signing statements, though, are going to be used by the president to say, this is how I feel about this law. This is how I interpret this law. This is how I envision this law being uh, implemented. And it gives a guide to the bureaucracy. So this is going to be used a lot of times when maybe the president and Congress aren't getting along when it's a bill or a law that the president kind of sort of likes, but doesn't like every single part of it. And if I veto it, maybe it gets overridden or, you know, I really like this part's going to do a lot of good for the country. It's just part over here that I don't like. So let me just kind of negate that part over there uh, by creating this signing statement that's going to say, hey, kind of ignore that. So that's what that is. Uh, appointments to the federal judiciary. Uh, remember, that is the president's job, not just the Supreme Court, but every federal court. Uh, whenever there's a judge opening, the president gets to appoint them. Um, they are contentious because, remember, these judges serve lifetime terms. So well after the president is gone, uh, judges that they appointed are going to be in office. And so uh, it does lead to some pretty big political fights over these judges. Uh, difficulties in policy implementation. So the president is from one party. Right now it's the Democrats. There's probably two million or so bureaucratic agents out there. Not all two million of them are Democrats. When Trump was president, not all two million of them were Republicans. So they don't always get along. I shouldn't say, let, let me take that back. They don't always agree with what the president is doing. And so sometimes they run into difficulties, um, especially when you get down to the lower levels, the people that are actually enforcing it. If they're not loyal to the president, uh, maybe they look the other way on some of the um, some of the the policies that the president has kind of put out there uh, for the, the bureaucratic agents to enforce. Um, Take the, the border, for example. You know, uh, Trump had a policy uh, when it comes to immigration, and maybe some of the immigration agents didn't agree with that policy. Maybe they looked the other way when someone was crossing the border or something along those lines. And so they have that, uh, and then it's tough for them to, to get rid of them. Once you've kind of served a certain amount of time in the bureaucracy, you're kind of there. You're kind of tough to get rid of after that. All right, the Hatch Act. So the Hatch Act is pretty simple. Uh, it was a law created to keep bureaucratic agents from taking part in politics with their jobs. So while you're doing your job, you should not be campaigning, uh, doing anything that's going to sway an election or anything like that. All right, and that's all the Hatch Act says. So you, you shouldn't be out there campaigning with your uniform on, you shouldn't be you know, releasing documents that are going to affect an election from your official job. Uh, bureaucracy responsibilities. We've already said that is the implementation. 
They also have the power and the ability to write laws and uh, judge laws. So that is those responsibilities. Uh, the types of bureaucratic agencies plus examples. Okay, so the two easy ones are the government corporations and the cabinet. The government corporation, that is just a business that is run by the government. All right, the Postal Service is the number one example of that. The cabinet, we've already talked about. Uh, those are all the, the big umbrella type positions um, that advise the president in whatever area of focus they are, transportation, uh, Secretary of State, so on and so forth. So those are the two easy ones, okay? Uh, the regulatory agency and the executive agency are where people get tripped up and messed up. <clears throat> so let's do those. First off, they're both independent of the president and Congress for the most part, meaning that the president can't come in and get rid of a lot of these people. You know, they can't come in and uh, say, hey, you're fired, or give them directives or whatever it might be, okay? But where they differ is in the term regulatory versus executive agency, okay? The regulatory agencies, the regulatory commissions, whatever you see them as, they have the power to create standards, to create guidelines that their industries have to follow. And if they don't follow them, they can be fined, they can, be, they can get in trouble uh, for not following the guidelines put out by the regulatory agencies. All right. One of my favorite examples is the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. Uh, they regulate what can go on TV, what can go on radio. <clears throat> and they have a, a list of, of words you can't say, things you can't show on TV. And if they decide to show them, um, then TV stations, radio stations do get in trouble. They get fined. They could they face other repercussions, um, whatever it might be. Okay. Another example is the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve regulates the money supply. Uh, they are trying to control that. You're going to do all kinds of graphs next semester about the money supply and macro. Uh, but that's something they do. And the president cannot get rid of the president of the Fed. Uh, the other one that's going to show up on the test is the ICC, the Interstate Commerce Commission. All right. Uh, they're going to regulate a lot of the stuff that happens uh, with interstate commerce. When we say that, that means that when things go from down 75 or up 75 out of Georgia to Florida or Tennessee or 85 to, to Alabama or South Carolina, as soon as they pass those lines, then that becomes the Interstate Commerce Commission uh, thing. And they can put regulations on them. All right. Uh, for example, they put regulations on the truckers. Um, people that drive semi trucks, they have to get a certain amount of sleep. The trucks can only carry a certain amount of stuff. Uh, you know, to, to carry gasoline, you have to be certified, and all these sorts of things. Now, the executive agency is different. They can't put those kind of regulations uh, on the area of their focus. All right. Uh, the best example of an executive agency, at least my favorite is, is because I, I, I like to think about space, is NASA. All right. NASA doesn't get to regulate space. Uh, we have people right now, uh, you know, there's already been some billionaires that have gone up into space as part of kind of space tourism, which hopefully maybe one day will be a thing because I would like to go to space myself. Of course, I probably won't be able to afford it, but uh, NASA can't regulate that. They can't put restrictions on who can go or where they can go or anything like that. Okay, so regulatory agency can regulate their area. Uh, executive agencies cannot. All right, the bully pulpit. So the bully pulpit is just a presidential platform that they have that really no one else does. The president is the star of the show, all right? If uh, the president gets on Twitter and tweets something, they're going to get all kinds of likes, retweets, and comments uh, versus you know, me, who's not going to get anything. 
Now, obviously, uh, a little bit different setting. Let's let's say a congressman gets on there and says something. Um, they'll get some some hits, but not like the president does. So the president has this platform. You can also think of FDR, the fireside chats, Woodrow Wilson and his tour around the country trying to get support for the 14 points. Um, all those things are considered part of the bully pulpit. Just the platform that the president has to get his message out to us, the voters, that no one else has. Finally, is the limits on the bureaucracy. So we did Congress and we did the president. Uh, the big thing is that Congress controls the money. The president can make suggestions about the money, but Congress controls it. So that is the big thing. Uh, if they don't, you know, they're not happy with something the bureaucracy is doing, let's cut their budget. And that's going to get them in line pretty quickly. Congress also has oversight. Those are those hearings that no one wants to take part in that are going to uh, really be a pain in the butt for any kind of bureaucratic agent that has to go speak before Congress. Uh, it's not something they want to do because it can lead to all kinds of changes. Uh, the president has really the power of appointment uh, and he can fire some of those positions, not all of them, but some of them. Uh, but the appointment power is a big one because you want to put people in charge of these agencies that are going to do what you want and be willing to work your vision. All right. Uh, and so I think those are the big ones. All right, guys, that is the uh, review <clears throat> for the test. If you have questions, feel free to email me. Uh, and I think all my emails are on uh, eClass. So feel free to email me if you need to. Uh, or if it's uh, you know, more convenient, you can uh, text me through the remind message thing, whatever that is. Uh, or I am on Twitter, although I'm not as popular as the president, unfortunately. Uh, K Daniels, AP Gov is kind of my official one, or the school one, chhsgov underscore civics. Feel free to, to tag me on any of those things, and I'll answer questions whenever I can. All right, guys, uh, we'll see you in class when we take the test on Friday the 19th. And don't forget about your FRQ that you have to write and your blog. Later, guys.